Hi, welcome to the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Griffin. I'm a former media and marketing executive turned career strategist and executive coach. I spent my career working my way up and through the ranks of global organizations and startups. And today I show others how to do the same. Join me each week as we discuss the strategies and actionable steps to leverage your strengths, increase your confidence, and develop your career well-being. Ready? Let's do it. Hey there, I'm Jill Griffin, and welcome back to the Career Refresh Podcast. I want to talk about culture, friends, and I'm hearing about so many crazy things that are going on out there right now around culture and and creating corporate culture that I do really want to unpack not only how do you spot it, but how do you create it? And that's what this first episode is. Next week's episode is going to be about some of the detective work that you can do and the questions that you can ask if you're on an interview or if you're partnering or collaborating with a company, how you can ascertain if they have a culture that works for you. So let's dig in on part one, which is my 10 steps to spotting and identifying and creating a positive work culture. In the workplace, culture is driven by a set of values and personality that's centered around clear goals that define success. And while sometimes it's difficult to get a holistic view of culture when you're not working in an environment, it's still possible to get a feel for the culture. Culture also provides for sort of an informal quality control. It helps the organization have a strong identification. When I worked for Martha Stewart at her organization, our values were printed on the wall so that we're always able to reprioritize. I've also worked for startups that were really clear in their values. And once everyone had them, we were also able to prioritize and pivot quickly. But so many organizations have this outdated, very corporate, very HR-driven, antiquated looking at culture. And I don't want to be in an organization in which HR as an office is deciding and determining the culture. For me, not bringing in employee voices and a diverse level of thought, whether it's diversity of thought, gender, non-binary, marginalized voices, making sure all of that's brought in to make sure that you have a really healthy organization is what I think creates a very strong culture. Because what happens is that if culture is totally dependent on what's worked in the past, and then we expect expect leaders to be responsible for holding and acting upon those company values, but it's based on the past and they're also inconsistent and it's not diverse, you can see where the problem starts to happen, where cultures get fractured. And then when you add in mergers and acquisitions, I mean, those are fraught with cultural issues. Even organizational cultures that may have worked well in the past, when they suddenly develop a dysfunctional culture after a merger, people wonder why. And it's because we don't honor the culture and we don't find ways to assimilate both entities. When you don't do this, you're going to end up with disengaged and confused employees, pockets of resentment, and a group of people who achieved at a high enough level that they were acquired, but then they're clearly given the message that once they're within the larger organization, that they need to get in line and they need to be different than what they were. And I'm not saying that we're not creating harmony, but we need to make sure we're bringing those voices forward and that we're having a merger of the cultures. I mean, again, you've acquired that company for its reason. Let's not squish the illumination in its soul. I personally have been through so many mergers and acquisitions. And when you work for large holding companies, 
Like M&A is just called Thursday. So many rounds of acquiring companies, merging them in, keeping them as separate. I mean, maybe it's the Martha Stewart uh, working years in me, but I think about it as like, how do you fold it in versus like completely kill it? I think I still have some PTSD from one acquisition that involved a lot of fedoras and yurts. And it was a whole new level of dysfunction. And as Scott Galloway always says, if you tell a 30-year-old man that he's Jesus Christ, he's inclined to believe you. So there's a whole new level of dysfunction. And good luck to everyone who's just been acquired. Research has shown that two out of three mergers fail because of cultural problems. And blending and redefining those cultures and reconciling the differences between them is what is going to build a common platform for the future. In recent years, this really fast pace of mergers and acquisition has started to change how businesses now come together. The focus on mergers has shifted away from blending cultures and has moved towards getting clear that everyone is here to meet specific business objectives. And experts believe that if you focus on the right business plan and agenda, that you're going to come out in a very strong place after the merger and that the culture will develop naturally. So while I agree with that, I also think when a company is being acquired and if they have some quirky things about their culture, is there room for that to be translated and carried over so that we're finding a way that the two groups are working together in a really efficient and productive manner. So I want to talk about the 10 things that I I see in order for you to ascertain, is there a positive company culture? So the first is diversity. I already mentioned this, but if an organization generally fits that everyone there is within the same demographic, that would be a big old red flag. Great companies and institutions embrace diversity in their hiring, in thought, in their approaches. This should be reflected across teams, employees, the partners they interact with, and the people that you would be interacting with daily. If you were not interviewed by a diverse set of people, that would be a red flag to me. And the same goes with partnering with an organization. If you're partnering and collaborating and the the people that you're working with are not a diverse set, that would be a red flag. The next I would look at is long-term employees. Is employee turnover high? When you start to look at a company and you go to LinkedIn or you start searching and you can do this easy detective work and you start seeing that most people are staying like at the 10-month mark or the one-year mark, I would look at that and wonder what's going on. Basically, when people are happy and engaged and they're offered continued opportunities for growth, they're more likely to stay put. Next is a clear mission and clear values. Great company culture does not just manifest itself out of thin air. It must be articulated. We must communicate the values and the mission throughout the organization. And then it has to be lived out by leadership and employees at every level. A positive company culture has values that every employee knows by heart. These values and the mission are accessible and they tend to be branded throughout the company materials, both internal and external communications. Values and strength-based cultures are so helpful for helping people know where they can contribute their own personal strengths and talents and gifts to the common goal. And as leaders, it is so important that we're working with individuals and helping them focus on what is right, what is their strength, where is their talent, and we're not just dunking on them and telling them to improve their weaknesses. 
other ways you want to think about values and strengths is what are the outcomes? You want to be in a culture that is emphasizing achievements and results. And when it comes to people, a culture that is insisting on fairness, tolerance, and respect for individuals, a culture that is collaborating where we're emphasizing and rewarding cross collaboration across teams and excellence. You know, there's an expression in the recovery community that says that we're not perfect, but we're excellent. And there's the difference. We strive for excellence. We're valuing that the attention to detail, we're valuing precision and solving problems analytically, and we're striving for that excellence. And again, occasionally we may miss and that's okay. We want to think about culture as far as is there stability and also what is the level of innovation? Is leadership looking at innovation and encouraging experimentation and risk taking? The fourth area is workplace involvement. Great company cultures support involvement and provide positive ways for their employees to gather for both personal and professional development activities. Again, I know that we are still in a largely remote working from home environment, but if a company is sponsoring a charity event or a fundraiser, people show up how they can. They contribute how it feels best for them. When coworkers choose to spend time with each other outside of the structure of their work or a particular project, you know that there is a professional dynamic that is going to be positive. The fifth area is transparency. If there are secrets and a general lack of communication from the top down, this creates a culture of insecurity and uncertainty. Workplace cultures that are positive, that support a philosophy of transparency, gives you the feel that each team member knows where they stand, or at least they know that there's an open door policy that they can go to their leader or their skip level and get an idea of what's going on. And they tend to feel like they are in the loop. My sixth area is that wins are celebrated. Great companies have clear and frequent processes in place for recognizing achievements of people. And they do this either weekly, monthly, quarterly. I consulted to an organization where celebrating their wins and the wins of others was written into the values. And this shows that the organization makes it a priority to recognize performance and announce to everyone the values that the employees bring to the table. It's a morale booster. The seventh area is that the leaders are visible and accessible. Employees are going to support leaders who are transparent, honest, authentic, and who invest in them. And when an organization's leaders are out front and center and make themselves available, it creates a place and a feeling that we're in this together. My eighth area is comfortable workspaces and flexible environments. The type of environment, the physical place, the place that employees work and can go where they're going to be there for large stretches of time is going to determine how people feel about their jobs. I used to work in a place that did tremendous work, but it felt like a dirty dungeon that we were constantly working in. And when clients were come or when vendors would come visit, you could see on their faces, they'd be like, has this place been washed? Like the carpet was, I don't know, probably 20 years old and had, you know, coffee stains and it was just really gross. What they ended up constantly doing was bringing clients into certain floors. And you you start to pick up on it that there is a lack of transparency there where we're hiding and trying to always show an outward face to the world, but inside we weren't really treating the employees with the same type of care. Comfortable workspaces, flexible hours, getting clear on amenities and perks that 
that the teams actually care about contributes significantly to morale levels. And this positive culture has to run across hours, remote working. You know, I recently heard about an organization that was charging astronomical prices for the soda that they were giving to employees, like making a ridiculous profit on it. It just, that's just gross. When you're constantly hearing about, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world who have these amazing cafeterias and that everything is free, I get that not everything can be free, but making a profit? (laughs) Do you really need to make a profit off your employees that are already working for you more than 40 hours a week? Right? You you just have to start thinking about what you're doing and and if you're in a culture that is really nickel and diming you. As an extreme on the other example, I just want to call out Reddit, who continues to impress me in what I see and what they offer their employees. Not only are they offering well-being incentives, they also offer incentives and stipends for child development, uh, pet care. They also offer a yearly lifestyle stipend. I mean, these are the ways in which it's small and it's little but it's ways in which you keep morale high and let employees know that they're valued. These are some of the questions you can ask if you're on an interview with them to understand how they actually treat their employees and they're not just lip servicing the culture. Number nine, that there's an absence of office politics and sort of this back channeling. I know you know what I'm talking about. Positive workplaces, when they're thriving, employees feel valued, they feel heard, they feel recognized, and there's little room for gossip, back-channeling, and politics. And while there's always going to be a small amount of snipping and a little bit of messiness that will happen in any group setting, healthy cultures, this becomes the exception, not the rule. So my 10th area is finding out about ongoing professional development opportunities. Job satisfaction is so closely tied to opportunities that employees have for growth, advancement, learning, promotion, expanding their own skill sets. And let's face it, folks, many of us have been working remotely for the last 20 months. And if your company hasn't figured it out by now, I would give them a little bit of a nudge. Leadership can think about how they actually want to help their own employees develop professionally and provide that as a morale and incentive to stick around. Okay, my friends, so that is my 10 steps. Tune into next week, where again, I'm going to take you through the detective work and also the questions you can ask both on an interview and potential partners in order to ascertain a company's culture. I would love to hear what you are seeing out there, what is working for you, what is not working for you. So I'm going to put my information in the show notes, and I would love to hear from you. All right, my friends, have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Career Refresh Podcast. If you're enjoying this and you want more information, go to my website, jillgriffincoaching.com. There you can find information on how to work with me one-on-one or my group programs, or even bring me into your workplace. I'll put the link to my website in the show notes. But hey, listen, before you go, do me a favor, rate and review this podcast because it definitely helps me get the word out to people everywhere so that they can also thrive in the workplace. All right, friends, I appreciate you. I'll see you soon.